All right, welcome to the Teaching a Rockstar podcast, and on today's episode, we got my brother from another mother, man. We shared a hashtag, Ryan yes, Sheehy. <laughs> so check it. So um, I don't know how, it was a while back, man, ever since I launched my uh, Be the One thing, um, my presentation for schools, I'm going around the country, and then Ryan has his book like at the same time, and next thing I know, we got friends in common and a hashtag in common, and uh, we got a lot going on. So Ryan is currently a principal at an elementary school. He speaks across the nation. Um, his, his author, an amazing book out there. And so here we go. Teaching a Rockstar podcast. Ryan Sheehy. Let's do this. This is the Teach Like a Rockstar podcast with Hal Bowman. All right. Here's a shout out to our sponsor, the Boston Scally Company. I have found the absolute best caps on the internet at bostonscally.com. The Boston Scally Company is the online purveyor of caps with the most attitude. Some people refer to them as a flat cap or a Gatsby or an Ivy cap, but the cap everyone is really looking for is the traditional Boston Scally cap. Founded by the son of a lifelong educator, the Boston Scally Company designs and sells caps that capture the unique culture of the Boston people with an authentic style that is filled with blue-collar sarcasm, rugged integrity, and a truckload of attitude. Pick up the authentic Boston Scally cap at bostonscally.com. The Teach Like a Rockstar podcast with Hal Bowen. All right, man, here's what I need to know. Um, it is, I don't even know, December something or other, 12th, 11th, 12th, somewhere in there. We have a Friday the 13th coming up. We, we got the teacher trifecta. We get the 13th. We've got the week before the Christmas before week, and we got the full moon. And what I need to know is what kind of craziness is going down on your campus today? It's cra- craziness uh, every single day. Right. We're, and to top, to top it off, we're in conference week right now, too. So we have parent teacher conferences this week and next week. I don't even know what, what's that. That's that's not the, that's the quadfecta, I think. Yeah, the quadfecta. Yeah. Hey, man, here's what I want to ask you real quick is um, I was I was looking through your bio and you did some public school. You did some private school and you did the homeschool thing. Yeah, no. So I've done a little bit. A little bit of, sorry about that. A little bit of uh, everything. So yeah, I went to public school, kindergarten, first and second, homeschooled third, fourth and fifth, private school, sixth, seventh and eighth, and then public high school. Tell me about the homeschool experience. What'd you think? Uh, Was not, didn't really work for me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know I why they call it homeschool. You know, we, we did, we did a little bit of that with our kids and it, yeah. like, it should be called in the car school because like yeah, every yeah. day we're taking them somewhere. Yeah, no, I mean, it was cool, but it messed up some relationships with my mom and me. I, I think I, I need a little bit more of that outlet, that social outlet. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, a lot of kids do, for sure. Yeah. Hey, man, so um, let's get down to it. We, um, the Be The One. Um, first, you talk to me about, like, when you hear that in your title of your book, like, like what does that conjure up for you? And then, yeah. and then I'll go. Yeah, yeah. So that that means um, that I think that every educator has the power to change the life of a child, um, and I 100% believe that. And I think that there's no reason why we can't be the one person to do that. Um, that one person that just changes, that makes the impact. That one person that kids are going to go home, go home and tell their grandparents about, or even when their grandparents themselves that they tell their grandchildren about. That one person made the impact. And I just feel so strongly believe that as human beings, we have the power to do that. And as educators, that power is even is transformed. You know, man, it's so true. I mean, like that's the whole thing for me too. When when it, when it comes down to it, everyone that's still in this gig, and by the way, not everybody that starts on this gig is still in this gig. Like we that's lose fifty percent right. of educators first five years that they're out there. But for those of us that keep coming back, it man, it comes down to the same thing. Like I believe it deep down inside, every single one of us wants to be the one that completely changes the life of a kid. Like the most influential adult in their lives. And here's the thing, man, what I love about your book is like there's so much evidence out there. And if you haven't done this, I totally recommend you do this. So what I do when I'm traveling is I sneak up on people with my phone and I have it recording. So I have the video going and, um, and I ask them, tell me about a teacher that comes to mind. And I typically do this in the airport bar because I find that people are much more forthcoming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're a little chatty and they love to talk. And here's the thing, man. 
a 100% every, the age doesn't matter. The, the demog, none, the profession, none of the demographics matter. Everybody has a teacher that they remember and they're, they're still talking about today. Yeah, no, I, and I love that. I was actually listening to one of your podcasts recently that, uh, you, you said you hadn't been stumped, but you came close to being stumped at a drive through or something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. And I was thinking about that. And I was like, dude, I love that idea. Yeah. That would be, that would be awesome to, um, to try to, to do that because it doesn't matter. When I go and speak, I, I always ask them to stand up. I, I want them to share with somebody that's, uh, that's made that difference. And then I wanted to stand up if it was an elementary school teacher. I want you, and then they sit down. I want you to stand up if it's a middle school teacher. And I want you to stand up if it's a high school teacher. And it never fails that the elementary teachers are always the most. Yep. Always the most. Always. And then, you know, middle school, there's a few, which is kind of interesting. And then high school, there's a, there's a ton. Or there's not as, not as many as elementary, but more than middle school. Yep. And it's just interesting to start thinking back because the elementary is, such, is the furthest removed, right? Now, granted, they have had the most time with the kids because it's typically not multiple teachers teaching different content areas. Yeah. However, they have that time to build those relationships and they have those times to, um, to really have those interactions. And I, and I always tell the middle school teachers, what I see there is opportunity because I know personally, I have two middle schoolers in my house and my kids, they're looking for that teacher. They're looking for somebody who's going to take an interest in them yeah. and they want to be able to build those, build those relationships. I want well, my sixth grader right now. He, um, he's an interesting, super smart kid, but he is scared to death to talk to his female teachers. Really? And so he won't, do, he won't do it. So he's a, he's a 4.0 student, you know, straight A's. And there was this, um, thing where they do this honor roll luncheon a couple weeks ago after the, after the, uh, quarter finished. And he just needed to go around and get signatures from his teachers on this piece of paper on the permission slip. And then they were going to walk down to a local restaurant, free buffet, lunch, and all this stuff. He was so stoked to do it, but he was scared to death to have the conversation with, would you sign my paper? So he didn't do it. So he didn't get to go. And I, I see, I saw, I you know, follow school on um, Twitter and I saw it and I was like, dude, you're, all your friends were there. You didn't miss it. He's like, no. And I said, well, you know, what is it? He's like, I, I don't want to talk to my teachers, dad. I don't want to yeah. talk to them. And I'm like, okay, what can we do to break that down? Obviously, you know, he just needs to have a little bit of conversation where he gets comfortable with it because once he gets comfortable, golden, we're golden. Yeah. He'll do it. Isn't it amazing that, um, like sometimes kids associate so much more pain over the pleasure and the happiness and the fun, the excitement that they would get from being experienced and they're, and they're willing to bypass all that just to avoid that one awkward, uncomfortable moment. Yeah. And and that's the, that's the crazy part and it's scary. And it's like, what can we do more for our kids to make them understand that we do care? And those teachers care. They just obviously haven't, haven't had that connection, that spark with him particularly. You know, I was in a, um, I was in a class when I was working on my degree and we had this wacky professor come in, like one of those wacky ones that she smelled like essential oils and didn't wear shoes. <laughs> and this was in the eighties, man. So this is like, yeah, she's yeah. way ahead of her hippie time. And, um, she had us all lay down and she took us on like this guided meditation. Um, back where, and she would take you, she said, to, go back to a place where you felt comfortable in class and you felt you connected with your teachers. And she had this whole process and it took a while, but it was, and she had the mood music going on. There's waves crashing. And, and I, and I thought about eighth grade and I like real, like vivid memories about eighth grade. And then she, we woke up and she, we processed the whole thing and she said, that's probably what you should teach. And and then we went on, and I was thinking, I don't know about that. And then she told me, she goes, or you're kind of stuck there in terms of maturity, so it would be a perfect fit for you. <laughs> but I think, I think for me, man, I think it maybe was a double, because like not only was it I'd fit there in terms of what I think is funny and interesting, it's kind of like an eighth grader, but in addition to that, like I really, like I loved it. Like I loved middle school. Yeah, no, it's funny because I – I've, I've taught K-12, every grade level in there, and I spent a year in middle school, and it was the best year of teaching yeah. that I've ever had. I absolutely loved it. Um, and people were always like, why would you love middle school? And I'm like, because it, it's amazing. You know, you got these kids that are coming in as, you know, sixth graders that are kind of like, don't know, they're out of, like fish out of water, right? Looking for some guidance. And then you have your eighth graders that are looking to, to, Hey, they're mature. You can have those deep level conversations yet. They're not, 
they're not those big, they're not those awkward freshmen yet, you know? Right. And so you can have that. And I just look at it as such a malleable time that, yeah, there's still be, there's going to be the behavior and the sassiness and those awkward ages, but that's even better, right? Yeah. You can really dig in, dig in deep, roll up the sleeves and go at it, right? And then yeah, just man. have some great conversations and, and build those relationships and, and really dig in deep with them and, and really make that impact. You know, I think for some people, I'm not sure why, like for, for some educators, they haven't been able to make the shift yet, maybe because they're young in their career, but you know, they, they take it really personally when they, they get the sassiness in the middle school and all that. But for me, like, cause I'm old, like I just think it's hilarious <laughs> and, <laughs> and it cracks me up because this kid is 11 or 12 and <laughs> I just think it's the funniest thing. And also, man, like that is like, I find those moments of, um, frustration, like for me now where I'm in my career now, for me, that is more, instead of a trigger for frustration or anger or disappointment, that's the trigger for, okay, now we're teaching. Because right here, I know this is where most people give up on this kid. Mm-hmm. So, th- so at the point where everybody gives up because they're mad or frustrated or whatever they are, that's the moment that real education begins. And I love when I feel that moment. I, I love, I love when, when the, when a teacher, so I'm in a, I'm a principal role now. So when teachers send kids out of the classroom and I, they come up and talk to me and I just sit down and we get to, we get to have like real chat and real conversation. I'm like, dang, you're a cool kid. Yeah. yeah. You got some awesome things going on. And that's the piece that, you know, too often in our classes and, and 100%, I believe that teachers get into teaching for the right reasons and they do want to be that person that makes the impact. However, there are so many things coming at them, you know, um, through everything that we that we have to do in education where it becomes harder and harder for them and you know when we can remove kids and have those conversations and reaffirm them that hey you are an awesome person you're right. gonna you're gonna do some amazing things that's powerful and sometimes i think it's important for our our leaders our leaders in and principals and those things is to say hey you know what if there's a difficult problem happening in the classroom, what can I do to support is not to take the kid out of the classroom is to go in, take over the class to allow the teacher to go and build that relationship with the kids. Too often we do that reverse. We take the kid out, but we don't give the opportunity for the teacher to build that with the student. Man, I love that. There's like a thousands of teachers right now in their car driving to work saying, yes, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Now that's, yeah, it's, easier, it's easier said than done. And I know that. And I know that, you know, it's not always possible, but mm-hmm. whenever it is possible, we have to look for that and look and see how can we put the power back into the teacher's hand to build those relationships? Because yeah. too often those conversations are happening down in the office. And guess what? That's not going to help necessarily tomorrow when a kid enters the classroom. That's going to help tomorrow when the kid enters the office because there's a positive relationship there. So yeah. we got, we have to continue to build that. Man, I love that. There's a school here in town I went and visited. I do this thing called Field Trip Friday where oftentimes on a Friday I'll just go visit a school and hang out and see what they got going on. And, um, oh my gosh, I, I, I don't want to say which one because I'm, it, it might, I might get it wrong and I don't want to get it wrong. <laughs> and so what they do, it is a giant high school and we build giant high schools here in Texas so we can field better football teams. That's and right. so we smashed a lot of kids into a school and I want to say they have about 11, maybe 12 APs. And what they do, is like we're talking like probably I don't know five thousand kids in the school, and so what they do is um I can't I want to say it is one day every two or three weeks the AP has to give up he has to give up the keys he has to give up the radio he 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 can't he can't he has no discipline there's no can't be in the AP office and what they do is they go sit in classes or cover classes for teachers so teachers can go visit other teachers or have conversations with kids just like you're described and so what I love about it it's like a scripted scheduled thing that this is going to happen yeah that's awesome that's called being intentional right there you know they know they know where it's at they know they know where the priorities are and you know for for me that i mean looking at schools that are doing that or being intentional with their time like that is awesome. And for me now I am not a 5,000 student building. Uh, You guys, you guys don't joke or don't mess around down in Texas, especially (laughs) the size size of your schools and the size of your football stadiums. I love, (laughs) I love traveling to Texas and seeing, I I drive purposely drive by the football stadiums. I'm just like, Oh my goodness. You know, 
Um, you know, so I, I love doing that, but, uh, you know, I have, I have about 600 kids here and, yep. and for me, I don't necessarily take a full day where I do that, but I build it into my day that I'm in classrooms each and every day. And that, and that's the difference in the size that I'm able to do that. I take my laptop with me. I take my phone with me and I am working outside of inside classrooms so I can be with kids so I can understand what's going on. What are the struggles that the teachers are facing? What are the struggles that the kids are facing and how can I support that? Yeah, man. And you know what it does on a um, subconscious level and maybe even for teachers on a conscious level, but for kids subconsciously is, you know, in education, just because we have this weird hierarchy of um, the principal and the front office and there's classrooms and there's kids and there's teachers and administrators and that whole totem pole that we have set up socially where like most teachers are terrified to go to the principal's office because they've never been in a principal's office. That's why they're teachers. And, you know, we, it creates this us versus them vibe in the school where it's the kids. It's us kids and them, those teachers and those adults and these and teachers. It's us teachers and those kids and those administrators. And and I think when we get everybody in the classroom and we get everybody on the same page, and that's what I love that we both share this common idea. And that is like, look, man, we all have different job titles. I get it, but it's all the same role, like to, to make a difference in the life of a kid, whether you're the principal, the counselor, the school nurse custodian, food service worker, teacher, it doesn't matter. We all have the same role. 100%. It's funny. I was able to sit on a um, interview panel last week for the chief business officer and we're a very large district and that's a big, that's a big role. And it was funny how that message kept on coming through in, in a chief business officer interview is, you know, we're here for the kids. We're here to build a relationship because we feel like we have a power to change the life of a child. And I'm like, the role is the same. Yeah. It's just different. It's, we have different parts in the process to complete. And if we can keep that our focus, we're going to do amazing things. We're going to move mountains. Yeah. You know, it's a friend of mine. He's a superintendent. He's got a smaller district, just um, two high schools, a few junior highs, a handful of uh, elementaries. He doesn't have an office at, at the central. He gave it up. And so there's a desk in like a table, six foot table inside the doors of every school. And he just offices in schools all day long, him and a secretary driving a little school van. And where that's where <laughs> they meet kids in the morning. They do their, whatever superintendents do right there from that, make the phone yeah. calls. It's amazing to see. Cause everybody knows who he is. Now I'm sure though, he probably got a lot of pushback when he first started doing that. A ton. Yeah. A ton, especially because of who preceded him was more of a personality of, um, you know, like an authoritative type figure and ruled with the iron fist and nobody wanted to be caught when he was in the building. You know what I mean? That whole thing. And I think that's the hardest thing for, for school, school administrators and teachers is that if we want to do something different, it's not that when we look to our right, when we look to our left, if, if that teacher or that school is doing it, people look at us, why aren't you doing it? Because that yeah. might not be the best thing for our kids, and to be able to f- fight that mold, and I and I keep hearing more and more superintendents that do that, principals that do that, teachers that are doing something different, and we're I, the negative connotation and the negative conversation around it, just because we're not used to it. Well, guess what, guys? We're, we need to change. Things need to change. We need to continue. Our kids are constantly changing. How are we changing as, a, as educators? Things that worked twenty years ago might not work today. You have a different set of kids each and every year, each and every day. You get to start over. That's what I love about this gig, man. It's fresh. Dude, it's blank. A blank slate every day. Like, what other profession is that even possible? That's right. I love it. It's amazing. It's what keeps it, it keeps, keeps it interesting, right? It keeps it interesting, keeps us fired up to come to school each and every day. You know, I always tell people I I don't have to get to go to work. I get to go to work. I get to come to school each day. Now, for sure, there's days that that rock my world, but there's days that fill me with passion, fill me with life that make me not only a better person, a professional, but a husband and a father as well. And I think that if you can bring all those aspects of life into the job, it only makes you better. Yeah. You know, I, you know, that whole concept, you know, the, the way I talk about it in my events is if you're going to make a difference, you've got to be different. And, you know, that's scalable, brother. Like if you want to make a little bit of a difference, easy, just be a little bit different. No problem. But if yeah. you want to make a monumental difference, you've got to be monumentally different. And I love that, you know, and I really, I think we owe it to social media. That's what I love. I love this huge shift we've seen over the last like five to seven years in leadership in, in how it's becoming more hands on, more, um, leaders walking the walk rather than just talking about it. And we're getting away from this, um, that old fashioned general motors type of, you know, dictatorship and, and people really see what this thing's about. And, um, and I got to tell you, man, it's inspiring to watch. 
And what do you attribute that to? So just because you're, they're able to see other people are actually doing it? Yeah. Here's what yeah. I think. It's just like teachers, man. I think the reason it's becoming so good is because um, there's there's a few people out there that have been amazing, but no one knew who they were or where they were or how they did it. And through social media, people have been able to say, oh, my gosh, that's the way I've always wanted to run my school. I didn't know I could build a relationship with teachers and kids like that. Yeah. I've always wanted to be like that. I didn't know I could wear a tutu and, and yeah. throw glitter around. Man, I want to do that. I didn't know about houses. I want to have houses in my school. You know, all yeah. those little things, I think that we were so closed off to. We just didn't have access to the information. And it and it's and that's why it's just I think it, that's why we've seen for me it's just been an exponential shift in effectiveness in terms of leadership. Yeah, no, I think as human beings we're always looking for permission, right? We're looking for permission to do things, and and what social media has allowed us to do it gives us permission because hey, you know what? Certain people are being successful with it, and that, that's the scary part too is that we got to remember not to, that just because somebody else is successful doesn't mean I'm going to be successful in it. You got to yeah. find what what fits you. You got to find what fits you. I mean, that's what kind of led me to this. When before I wrote the book, I was sitting in staff lounges and I'd be like, "Oh, well, this t- this teacher would be doing this, and this teacher would be doing this, and then this new teacher is always trying to emulate what they're doing." Well, guess what? That's not going to work for you. Never. You got to find what works for you. You got to be that person, like you said. You know, if you want to be different, you got to be. If you want to make a difference, you got to be different. You yeah. know, and you got to make that impact. And what are kids going to remember? Remember for you remember you for and you know a couple of my friends they always ask you know what's your legacy what's your legacy going to be you know and i think if we can think about that and then how is that going to impact what you're doing each and every day yeah you know the other thing is man the um you you know because you can find two educators both incredibly effective in every way uh professionally socially emotionally with the kids you know delivering tons of content stuffing into the noggin effectively And they're both completely opposite, different. And you know, where you have one, like a, you know, that one that, you know, can, gives you the point and the raised eyebrow and, you know, that whole stern. But somehow those kids know that she loves them and they can't wait to see her every day. And, and, and and she cracked a smile on Thursday. Remember she smiled at us on Thursday and they're so excited and they love her so much. But you can, then you have me across the hall with my three rings of shenanigans, you know, standing on the desk and lights and the whole thing, a complete mess of a classroom. But, you know, we're both delivering content effectively, and I think what it is is helping teachers become self-aware and giving them permission to be fully themselves and vulnerable in front of the kids so that they can do what they've always wanted to do, and that is to change their lives. No, for sure. And I, I remember when I was at the middle school, we I had a grade-level comp- uh, teacher that when I, first, when I first met him, I was like, dude, you are 100% old school. And that is, uh, you and I are not going to jive. Right. And then I, and I sat there and I got to, I got to observe his interactions with kids and his interactions with students and the learning process. And I'm like, you know, by mid year, I'm like, dude, how can I be more like this guy? Yeah. You know? And it was just kind of one of those things. It was early in my career. And I was like, dude, old school or different isn't bad. Right. It, you have to do what works for you. Now yeah. I'm more, I'm more of that boisterous that just let's think outside. Let's do some different wild, crazy things to get the content and to build those experiences and make sure that kids are, are learning. And now this person approached it completely different, but he was respected by kids. Kids were fired up to be in his class. Kids were fired up to learn. And what more can we ask than that? But we just have to be able and to understand that different isn't bad. Different is different. Yeah. And, we, and you know what? We might, a kid might do really well in my class. And he goes to that class and might not do so well. But, and then a kid in that class learns amazing in that class, comes to my class, might not. We, different strokes, different fo- for different folks, you know, and, and we got to look and see how can we use the strength of each other to build up our schools. For sure. You know, there's, um, you know, if, if I can, I'm thinking back when you were talking about that, I was thinking back to my experience at the last school I taught at, and I can picture, um, a couple of coaches I really, really respect. And, um, you would think that they were Marine drill sergeants. And, but you know what? Kids were running down the hall to get to practice on time and they loved it. And then that same kid would go to English class. And I can remember that guy and he was so, um, quiet and mild mannered and compassionate and so good and so effective they loved it and then they come to me and it's a bunch of shenanigans and but what what it is i i i believe is and and by the way you could see that kid like shift emotionally as they enter each one of those spaces Mm -hmm. because they're going to adopt that vibe and what, what i think it is is all three of us even though we're all completely different teachers 
all men, but just different in every way. It, it, we all we all ran our classroom that was built on a foundation of complete authenticity, and those kids know that we love them. And when when they're convinced, like every cell of a kid is is absolutely convinced, consumed with the fact that they, they know that you love them. Man, you can have some crazy high expectations. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Can't couldn't agree more. Yeah. Hey, man. When, when you were at, uh, tell me when when you first came into the teaching business. What what were you teaching? Was 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 it was a PE? Yeah. So I was a I was a fourth and fifth grade uh, physical education teacher. So um, I finished up my degree in uh, the early part of February, and I landed my first teaching job the end of February. So I walked in. I taught fourth and fifth grade uh, PE at six different elementary sites. Um, so I'd be uh, one day every every day different school, except for Wednesdays. I'd go to two schools. And I had anywhere between 90 and 120 kids at a time with two oh senior instructional aides. Yeah. So um, talk about, I, I will never forget walking on my first campus. You know, I, I grew up in Southern California and then I got married and moved up to Northern California. And I walked into my first, first day on the job. I walk in and the school had just been tagged. Somebody had come and graffitied all over the place. And I, here was this sheltered guy coming in. And I was like, <laughs> what did I get myself into? Um, and, you know, it was amazing. It, yeah. it, it taught me so much, um, not only from the teaching aspect, but from managing two adults, you know. And, you know, I started teaching when I was 20 years old. And I came in and um, the senior instructional aides were older than my parents were, you right. know. And, that, and that, that added a whole element as well. You know, they kept, they kept on reminding me that daily. They, they were old enough to be my parents and, you know, and it was kind of one of those things that really taught me about people and taught me how to manage people. Um, so I did that for a few years and then I had the opportunity to go to a middle school, uh, which was awesome. And like I said before, it was just a, an amazing experience. And then um, from there, I, I transferred districts and went and taught at two elementary schools and then I finished every day at a high school. So that was that was crazy. I taught kindergarten in the morning, and I finished up with high school seniors in the afternoon, um, and that was a trip. Yeah, uh, you know, I remember my very first day on one of those elementary sites. I it was the first day I ever had to teach kindergarten. This kindergartner got up and started running away, and I was like, "What's going on?" He well, he's chasing a butterfly. <laughs> so you know, it's like, oh, okay, you know, and then. But then later on that afternoon, I'm with high school seniors, and it's a totally different conversation. Right. Uh, yeah, so that that was just awesome. And then we did some realignment in the district, and I was just put at one elementary school. Um, and I did that for a while before I became a high school vice principal, and then now an elementary principal. And it's just been it's been crazy just to that, that experience that I've been able to do and see. And you know, I've been at over fifteen different school sites in. <laughs> Um, you know, people, half the time I tell that to people, people, you know, under their breath are thinking insane, you know, what the hell's wrong with this guy? Yeah, this guy's got you a know, problem. Nobody wants this guy. They keep no, shuffling him around. Exactly. Keep shuffling. <laughs> there might be many things wrong with me, but that's not the reason why I was shuffled around. But, you know, um, so, you know, I've, I've been able to see that and be able to see what's working on different campuses and what's, what's not. And it's just, it's, it's filled me with this passion and desire to go in and help change things based off of what I have been able to see. Yeah, what a crazy steep learning curve. Yeah, no, it, it, it was it was definitely interesting, and because you know, in PE you get them all, man, you get, you get everybody, all yeah, of them. You, you get them all, you know, and and it's funny because you then you then as I as I have evolved and gone, you know, into different positions, I fought the stereotype too because there is a stereotype out there that PE teachers don't know curriculum or PE teachers don't know def- necessarily teaching. You know, that's yeah. the, it's the quote unquote coach. You know, you're a coach. And I, you know, and I, I fought that, that, that uh, stereotype big time. I, I actually, one of the very first um, administrative interviews I had, I was, I was interviewing for a vice principal. I made it past the first round, made it past the second round. I sat down with the superintendent and her cabinet and, you know, she, she said straight up, she's like, Ryan, you're a PE teacher. PE teachers aren't instructional leaders. And I'm looking for an instructional leader. And, I, and I'm talking about like daggers to my heart at this point, you know. And, right. and, and it was interesting because I knew that that was a perception in the district that I was working in. So I had actually gone out and I had got, attended uh, Stanford and taken some courses at Stanford University on um, Common Core. Common Core was huge at that time. And Common Core, how to implement it in the classrooms through English language arts and mathematics. And so I was I had really well versed in that because I wanted to to combat that. Yeah. Um, and you know, and I look at it as, as a PE teacher, I, I, I did get to see, I saw every single student, 
you know, I got to, it didn't matter. You know, my class sizes were ginormous. And once you take the classroom walls and desks away from the kids, talk about a totally different game, you know, and different ball game. And so it was, a, it's been a great, um, it just yeah. makes me smile thinking back about all my days as a, as a teacher. It was wild for me too, man. When I showed up, I taught in a tiny little town when I first started and, um, really small school and, and, you know, just a few hundred kids in the district. And, and when you do that, and I was the music teacher, band director, but you're, they, that ain't all you're teaching when you go to a That's small right. school. That's right. And I was the elementary school, you know, when they do music one day, then I get the same kids again for PE and I get the same kids again for something else. And so I had to do, uh, you know, PE. And so my first day ever teaching, same as you, I think I was 21. And, and I, you know, my schedule says, and I started on, in, on Monday after Christmas, after you come back from the holidays oh, yeah. and I graduated in the fall and I started in the spring. And so I don't really know anybody. And I show up and the T and I, I'm supposed to go to a classroom where they bring me all of, of kindergarten and pre-K. And I show up there and they, they put the kids in the room and I said, okay, you can take them to the gym for PE and the teachers left. All right. Now. <laughs> For those of, no, I'm a guy. Like, I've never been around little kids, man. Like, I don't even know anything about it. And my certification at that time was just a secondary, but they don't care in a small town. <laughs> it's going to yeah. give you everybody. And I don't care what your certificate is. And so I show up and listen, man, like people that have never taught, if, if you don't know how to get pre-K and K all from one room to another room, that, you know, oh my gosh, like I had, like I was losing them right and left. And at the <laughs> high school, you know, taking inventory ain't all that big, but at the elementary, you're supposed to take inventory. I didn't know that. And I was losing, oh my gosh, it that, I don't even think, I can't remember. I really don't remember much about the first day. I was just a mess. And I just remember thinking, thank goodness they're all here. Cause I didn't know. Like when the teacher came back, I'm looking at her to see if she's going to say we're missing one. She didn't say anything. So, well, I guess we got them all then. That's a good day so far. That's awesome. That's an awesome story. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause like, and that, that's a good thing to remember as an educator is not all of us have been around little kids no. or, you know, kids in general for a long time anyway. Right. Since we were kids. And for me, for me, it's a little bit different. I'm actually the second oldest of eight kids and we are a super spread out bunch where there was always little kids in my house growing up, uh, you know, and now uh, I, have a, I have a sister who's a freshman in high school. So, you know, we are, like I said, we're spread out. So there's always yeah. been that little, that little kid has always been there for me. So I've never been able to say, hey, I'm not used to little kids. But uh, it's, it's something that I keep in mind when I do get new teachers. They get put in these situations because, like, when's the last time you hung out with um, 25 six-year-olds? You know, yeah. when, were you, when were you able to get 25 six-year-olds from your classroom to the lunchroom and keep them organized, safe, and ready to go, you know? And so that, that in itself is um, overwhelming to most people. And then try to deliver content, try to make sure that they're meeting the standards, all these different things. The job is real. The job is hard. And it, it just keeping that perspective, though, thinking back on our first days, think remembering that and sharing that. I think that's the key too. sharing that. Hey, guess what? When I started, I was a horrible teacher. Terrible. You know, terrible. I, you know, I, but I learned and I continue to put myself out there and I wanted to, nobody walks in as a rock star, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's the, that's the hope is that we will be able to get there, but we don't start there. Yeah. You know, there, there are some people I've seen that are just crazy gifted, you know, in their first year, but I promise you they are few and far between. And it was yeah. certainly not me. I mean, it was just a, an absolute mess. But what, what, what I loved about it looking back is, um, because it was a smaller community and they know teachers, especially in, um, some of the elective areas and coaches, they know it's a temporary gig. Very few people stay a lifetime. They do have content areas that they're going to stay there. They're from the town. They went to school there. They're coming back. They're teaching there for 48 years and they're going to retire there. But for the most part, band directors, coaches, and people like they're moving, they'll be here for a year, two, three, then they're moving on. And while you're there, they took such good care of you and they were so accommodating and so helpful. And, and just, you know, I, and just made sure that I was keeping kids alive and in one room and you not know, losing any, you know, it was, um, and I, I'm not sure we, you know, I, I always say this and, and that is, I'm not sure we do a great job with our first year teachers past the first week for most of them in these big giant suburban schools where like, you know, like you, you know, I travel around the country in August and I do my back to school presentations and I see a lot of 
like pep rally type stuff for new teachers and we got pom poms out and we're in first year teacher and we celebrate them. But I do know for sure by the second week of school, lots of people have forgot about them. Yeah. 100%. Well, I mean, I think we, we need to look at and how we're preparing our teachers, you know, yeah. looking at and I, I'm fortunate enough that I am able to be, uh, to teach in a, in a credential program, um, here at one of our local universities and, you know, looking at what I'm being asked to teach and looking what I am, what these people, what these candidates need to learn is totally different. And so we really looking at the practical, like, Hey, how can I implement this tomorrow in my classroom? Because I'm teaching people that are in student teaching right now. They're in yeah. the classrooms that need the support because yeah, we get, we, we, you can get motivated and you can get inspired, but guess what? When the, when the crap hits the fan next week, yeah, that, that motivation might be out the window. Now, what can I actually do? What right. is the, the, the actual practical piece that we can do now? You know, you need that, that motivation and that, you know, that keeping that atmosphere is important to do, but it's important to keep you inspired. So then you do the research and do the work to make sure you have the skills to be able to deal with what's happening in that classroom tomorrow. And I think that as, as a profession, we can do really a much better job in preparing our teachers. And then once we have them, supporting them. You know, man, I can tell you this, and this is not true across the board. I know it, and there's definitely exceptions and both extremes on either end, but I can, uh, I know for sure I've been to lots of universities where I can tell those professors and the people pre- preparing our next generation of teachers. Unfortunately, I can, it's obvious they have not been inside the walls of a public school classroom in the last 30 years. I can tell by the way they talk to their students. I can tell by the way they, the examples they use, how they gesture. And um and and then things get uh, we compound the problem because you know like we'll, we'll set up a first year teacher sometimes with a mentor which is pretty cool and I'll teach them how to put grades in the computer and how to take attendance mm-hmm. and here's your copy code and all that yeah but for me I really think it's it's like a doctor man we don't put doctors out for a, it's like a four year thing like I think it's it's an ongoing process to become really really good at what you do this teaching thing is so so hard and that's why we're losing so many people. Yeah, 100%. I, yeah, and I think that we need, and that's a piece that even we need to continue to build that toolbox, right? And it doesn't yeah. matter how long you've been there. It's interesting. I have a situation kind of that I'm working right now with, with, um, some assistants in my school. And we are, um, like I said, we're on a conference schedule right now. We, uh, meaning that we have early release each and every day. And so what I've done is I, I'm supplying some training after school. Um, you know, after the instructional day is over because we still have time in the workday. And, uh, I was talking with somebody who, um, has been doing this for, in the same position for 30 plus years. And they were fighting me on the fact that there's nothing that they need to be trained on, you know, and that's the, and that's the conversation. And I'm like, wait a minute though, you know, professional athletes are the elite people in their game. They still have coaches. They're still yeah. learning and they're still, still continue to progress. And that's the piece that we need to remember is that the teacher preparation programs, that first year, that's not where the stop learning stops. We need to continue to do that. We need to make sure that it's meaningful, impactful PD because otherwise we're turning people off to PD. We're turning people off to continuing to learn. If we're not putting impactful stuff in front of them, they're going to eventually stop showing up and stop looking for that. And so that's, that's the piece that I think is really important is making sure that we're, we're providing meaningful professional development, meaningful training where they're going to be able to increase their tools in their toolbox and be more successful tomorrow. Yeah, man, it's so true. And it's, you know, in addition to that, um, I, I think all, what, what, what uh, helps a lot, what I've seen is when you have that along with, um, some just smaller circles of, of where we can put our teachers with someone who can facilitate great conversation that is supportive rather than that, that negativity that might typically happen in, um, you know, that, that, that traditional break room setting or the teacher workroom. Mm-hmm. But really, like you said earlier, like, you know, you know, be intentional about the conversation. 
because I get it, man. Like teachers, it is super hard. It is emotionally draining and it's frustrating and they do need to process that. They do need to talk about that. But the challenge is doing that in an effective way that's beneficial for them and everybody else because what human nature is is to like one-up whatever you just heard. Like you think that's bad? Let me tell you what Trevor did in my class today. You don't have Trevor. You better be thankful. Like that whole thing. But, you know, and, and, and provide them a safe space. Where they can t- they can talk about it and talk about how mad they are and how frustrated they get. They can cry and they can be supported. And what I would love to see is, you know, maybe some of our retired educators come back and serve in that way. Because I know they, they miss it and I know they still want to participate and they still want to be a member of a school family. And, you know, once every couple of weeks hanging out after school for an hour or two, letting teachers talk would be a beautiful way for them to get involved. That's a, that's an interesting. I I would think that you would get a lot of teachers, retired teachers, take you up on that because yeah. they they do they miss that they miss the conversations around the copy machine they miss the lunchtime staff room conversations so to be able to come back get it and then you know then it's then it's out and it's done yeah. I love that idea. I'm putting that into effect starting. I'm sending the memo out, man. You're, you're the first school. Monday morning starts. There we go. There we go. <laughs> hey, how did you get into the whole, um, like at what point did you think, what, I guess, I guess my question is, what was the impetus for you to write the book? When, when, was it always something that was on your mind or was there something that happened? You said, that's it. I'm doing it. Yeah. You know, I, I, um, I've been fortunate to surround myself with some different people, you know, that have really pushed me to um, be better um, and to continue to push my learning. And I was really encouraged to start a blog and to start writing. And I really pushed back on the idea. I, you know, I, I four kids, I, you know, we're busy doing tons of different things. And, you know, and so I, one day I was like, fine, you know, I'm going to go ahead and write. And so I write up this blog and, you know, I have a pretty big family. So I'm like, okay, once I hit publish, I might have 50 people to read it. And so I blogged. You know, <laughs> that is a big time. family. Yeah, and, uh, I blogged and I, I got about 50, 60 people reading it. And then I blogged again and, you know, it continued to grow. And um, my teach, some of my teachers were reading it. Some of my parents in my community were reading it. And they're like, wow, this is good, great insight into your heart, you know, into, into what you were thinking. And quickly, you know, I was putting out three, four blog posts a week. I was writing a lot. And, um, really continue to grow that. And I, and then I eventually hit, you know, where there was quite a few people, there was like 35,000 people reading my blog. And yep. I was like, Hey, you know what? I, I think there might be something bigger here, something different. And so that's when I started to change, you know, put some different chapters together and I decided, Hey, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot, see what happens. Um, and you know, I was blessed enough to, um, have a publisher pick it up and it's just, it's grown from there and it's been absolutely amazing um, to see the power that it has and the power of sharing my stories and sharing, you know, how it's impacted certain kids and certain individuals and to see that in schools and just to see and hear the conversations around it yeah. has been life changing for me. Man, you know, um, the challenge with the book and, and it, it, I look back at some of the things I wrote 10 years ago. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad I never published that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like that. I'm so glad no one. And like that for me, that's like the tearing. That's like the terrifying part. Is like, what if I put this out there? Because I can tell you this, I don't really believe the stuff I believed five years ago. Yeah, no, and I and I think everything changes, right? And the, and you know, and I think that some of the things that you probably believed five years ago were timeless, and you still believe them today, right? Yeah. And and, and as I'm you're writing. Yeah, no, and as you're writing, though, that that really comes out, you know, and you you really flush out a lot of stuff, you know, and through the publishing process and the editing process, you know, a lot of your ideas, like, you know, for me, it was months long, and some of the stuff, some of the chapters I wrote wrote at the beginning, I was by the end of it, I was like, that's that's garbage, get it out of here. That's not, you know, that wasn't clearly clearly stated the way I wanted it to be in there, and so you know. and that that's been fun. And you know, the piece that's that's fun now is that I've got that voice out there and now being able to go and speak, yeah, so I can expand on some of that stuff and, and really look at it a little bit deeper and a little bit different because you know what? My experiences change each and every day. Yeah. And and that's the piece and I so I bring a little bit different to the table each and every time I speak. And so that's been fun in in really getting that message out there and just and you know, seeing it out there, the fact that um my kids have been able to see their dad on a book. Um, you know, they love going in and, um, my son, my youngest is in first grade and he had his, um, he was the, um, 
special student or star student a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, he was supposed to bring in a book that meant something to him. And, you know, my wife's talking to him, all these bedtime stories we're reading. Uh, he's like, no, I want to bring, bring the one for kids. And I was like, all right, dude, I loved it. And, you know, he, talking. he gets up there and he's like, yeah, my dad wrote a book and he goes, and I'm in the book. And he opens up the page where his name's in the dedication and he shows everybody how he's in a book. And, you know, so for me, it's been much bigger than just, you know, putting it out there, but also sharing it with my family yeah. and sharing it with my kids. And, um, you know, I, I, I was fortunate. I just had another book released a couple weeks ago uh, titled Principles in Action. And I wrote it with two other principals. And it's all about redefining the role of leadership in our schools. And um, my kids have already gone through and tallied up. Each one of them have tallied up each time how many times their name was mentioned throughout the book. So, <laughs> it's, let's see who this guy loves the most. Yes, exactly. So you can tell that the Sheehy house is not competitive at all. Right, no. clearly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, I love the Principles in Action title. I like that alone. And um, you know what I'm seeing? I've saw, I've, I've, I, I know one principal that comes to mind. Her name is Heather Patterson. And um, she's at George Ranch High School. And she was um at Ryan Middle School prior to that but what I love about her is she like in terms of walking the walk like when she leads her teacher meeting she leads it just like she expects a class to be taught you know where where she like there's going to be an activity there's going to be this like this big icebreaker thing in the beginning there's going to be some closure at the end and it's really cool to see like it's interactive it's fun it's engaging and it's memorable and 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 that's just a teacher meeting about how we're going to finish out the fall semester that's awesome. Yeah. No, I, well, too often we miss that, that opportunity in education because we lead our staff meetings or our, our district meetings are boring as heck, you know, yeah. and, and we need to, Hey, lead it the way we want our classrooms to look. Do you want do you want our classrooms engaging? Why don't, why aren't we modeling that then for what our expectations are and how can we do that? Um, and I'm going to tell you right now, like we talked about earlier, the superintendent, you know, the superintendent setting up their desk and how that rocks people's world. When you start changing meetings, it rocks people's worlds too, because they're used to it being boring. They're used to it not wanting to come. And now when we're actually starting to throw some little fireworks in there, some pizzazz, some music and stuff, and people are like, whoa, this is different. I'm not used to different, but different, it can be okay. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's, it's even just the little things. I remember I did an event this is a couple of years ago and this was at the Dubisky Career Center as a high school and, um, and, and the, and the principal opened it up and, and it was great. I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, she's really good. I need to step up my game during this presentation. And then at the end, she did a close, like, just like she expects to see in her classrooms. And, and she had, and her final, like, closing, she's called it, like, the ticket to leave was, um, which I'm not always a fan of, but in this case, I love. And what it is, she had, um, cards and envelopes and stamps, and she asked you to write a note. I'm thinking about you note that a kid was going to get over the Christmas break. Um, from the teacher, and so she had, so the teachers before they left, everybody wrote a note to a kid, and then she had all the addresses up there. She said, just put the kid's name on that. We're going to find an address. We're going to address it for you, put the stamp on it. And like, I love that because it models for the teachers, like what she wants for that. And like, and she's expecting it and proving it by the walk. I just, I love the whole thing. Yeah, no, it's some pretty powerful things. And, you know, one of the things I like to do is um, when I'm doing some type of leadership event, I like to talk with teachers about about those uh, principles with about the teacher on their campus is doing something amazing. Yeah. And then what we do, what we do is because there are so many people doing amazing things out there that are just changing, changing the game for kids and, and their schools and their communities. And as we're talking, I, I have the the other person that they're talking to sit right right there they email that teacher and just say hey um you know you know dear uh how you know um my name's ryan she i'm a principal i was just talking to your principal today and he was bragging about you and talking about how amazing these things are you're doing are now talk about the power of that though because when those principals return to site wow you're proud of me you're proud of the stuff heck yeah i'm proud of that and and that just adds a different layer in there because i can tell you that i'm proud of you but then now you know i'm outside bragging about you and i'm telling them hey this is what this person is doing hey connect your second grade team with them connect them because they can they can help you and help you grow and and that's the piece that i love about it because we're better together and we're better as we can build those connections and build those relationships because no teacher should ever be sitting there in the classroom and feel alone 
It's 2019, people. We got to wake up and get connected with people because if I, if I, I wish as I traveled from site to site, I never felt like I was part of something. I always felt like I was like that itinerant person on the outside. Yep. And I wanted, I wanted that community. I wanted that small PLN that I could have those people to talk to. You kind of mentioned it throughout and is really looking at that and how can we bring people together? And I've always found that to be one of the, one of the amazing ways to do it. Man, that's what I love about like the house system that so many schools go to after you yeah. kind of uh, doing what Ron Clark does. And, and what I love now, there's so many, like I want people to go visit for sure. Go visit that thing. But also if you're going to spend the money on that, you know what, man, there's so many public schools that have figured out how to do that on like an actual budget, like when that makes it realistic and they don't have, you know, what all that guy has going on. And, and, and I love, I love the high expectation they set. I, of course I do. But when, when you don't have the funds to support your vision, there's people that are doing crazy effective things on little to no money and to go visit that too. But my favorite thing about the house system, I love how it brings it together in smaller communities for kids, but I really also love how it brings it into smaller communities for teachers and they have their own little tribe within that overall family of the, of the school. And, and because that's where they're building deeper relationships. And when they build deeper relationships, they start talking about kids more. And now they're more in that little team that's supporting the kid. Man, it's just so powerful. No, 100%. Yeah. Not, not all of us have, uh, Oprah Winfrey back in our school. So, you know, we got, we got to look at how can, how can we, how can we do it on our budget? Um, but yeah, no, and I love that. I think, you know, and that's always one of the big pieces that I have. And I've, I've never had the privilege to go, go to the Ron Clark Academy. I've always been interested and intrigued to go just to see what they're doing there because it is some amazing work. But, you know, for me, I always look and say, how can we pull this back to my site? And I know for me, my teachers, one of the things they look at is like, this, we don't have money like this, you know, we don't have this. And so for us, we, when we go out and we look at, and we take those visits, I really want to see, Hey, what are you doing? This realistic that I can actually, that I can take back. We can make it our own and make it happen. And so that, that's key. And I, I agree. I think that the house system has done some amazing things for kids in terms of bridging the age gaps and bringing, bringing those kids together, but it has done so much for grade level teams because too often the only time that our grade levels mix is at a staff meeting once or twice a month. You know, we don't really have that cross that cross PLC time or the cross grade level time. Yeah. And so that is an amazing opportunity to bring people together. Man, that's something we also missed at the high school. When I taught at the high school, you know, I've told this story before, but um, I don't know if you guys have the Capturing Kids Hearts thing out there. It's Flip Flippin's organization, and they have a great training, and they have different curriculums they put in schools. And um, anyway, I was out at a training, and one of the first things you do, it's a three-day training. You're going to spend the, spend a couple nights, the whole bit, and you have to introduce yourself. You have to get up, and they have a little process of how you introduce yourself. And there's this lady talking, and I'm and she's talking about her school, and I think, wow, man, we got a lot in common. Sounds like my school and she's talking about her kids i was like wow sounds like my students i want to talk to her and she's going through the whole thing and at the very end of her little five minute introduction she you she announces where she teaches we've been teaching at the same school for four years <laughs> i've never seen this woman before in my life oh and wow when you think about the size of the high school where we at, we're, we're different parking lots with different ends of the school because we, when we, mo- faculty meetings have a few times a day for some people, it's before school or you can go at lunch or you go after school. When we do come together all at once, it's a giant auditorium with, you know, 300 teachers. Yeah. And she would sit with her crew. I'd sit with my crew. I, I mean, I didn't have a crew, but you know, the, I sat where I sat by myself. <laughs> and then, um, and, and, but the sad part is once we got to know each other, we got to talking, we had so many kids in common. We had, we had lots, like dozens of kids that would see her and was come to my class. And I, I don't even know who she is. That's sad. Yeah. And that, and that's, we have to look for those opportunities that we can bring our people together, especially at those large places. You know, even for me, you know, I, I'm not at a, 5,000 student school, but I still, you know, still hard to bridge the gaps between my fifth grade teachers and my kindergarten teachers. How can I bring them to the table so we can talk about it? How can we learn from each other? And that's, that's the key, right? Is that, Hey, you know what? We're starting to see things that are happening in kindergarten that are, that are articulating up with kids. And how can we stop that and help that at an earlier time? Yeah. You know, the, now that you said that, just remind me that when the school I was telling you uh, just a second ago where the principal, her name is Dr. Booth, Kristen Booth. Now I'm thinking about it. And she, when she opened up the, you know, she's the one that had the big presentation when she, the big intro and the big close and write the note. 
now that I'm thinking about it, I, it takes me about an hour and a half to set up. I bring a lot of gear and, um, for that entire time, not maybe not, maybe at least an hour and 15 minutes, she was, pay, she was walking around the, 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 the room there, the cafeteria where we met. And she's putting place cards and shifting them and moving them and looking at tables and analyzing yeah. who was sitting where and move this card over that card and took that one from the front to the back. And she spent over an hour like strategically sitting these people with who, not just who they thought um, they wanted to sit by, but who they needed to sit by and didn't know each other. And that, because that's like critical. Like we, we talk about the school family all the time, but some people, they, they don't, they know who they are, but they don't know the first thing about them. And, you know, I think naturally as people, we, we act like magnets to the people we know, right? Yeah. And, we do, and we do need that force to be pushed outside our comfort zone because I can think back to many times where I sat in the audience and I have grown more on those days where I was pushed out of my comfort zone yep. to go sit and make those connections. You know, I, I, I consider myself a friendly guy, but I'm also shy if I'm, if I'm not in a group of people where I really know everybody, you know, I'll sit there and just keep to myself. But then when I'm pushed out there, you know, I'm starting to build these connections and some of my best friendships now have come from those yeah. to really, Hey, let's be intentional with where we sit people, what we're doing with people and force them to interact. So they do get to know people because in some schools we don't really know, uh, even at small schools, do we really know that some details of people's lives and what's, what's affecting them at home that's coming to school with them as well? Yeah. You know, does that help us better understand what's going on and help us how we can support them? You know, I remember as the teachers walking in, I, and by the way, when she was putting the place cards out, and I was disappointed. I was thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to hate, they're going to hate, they're going to nobody to yeah. sit with, ugh. You know, the, the young teachers want to sit with themselves, and, and the coaches want to sit in the back row, and then, you know, and the fine arts want to sit over here. <clears throat> but, um, but they were so excited. Hey, hey, how's it going? They were so used to it. What I didn't know, like, this is a part of school culture. You know, like where you're sitting, yeah. sitting at Thanksgiving is going to be different every year with that. This is just what they do. And, um, and you know, like that alone is you're right. Like that, that's what builds that family and people get to know each other. And that, and for me too, that's where I have grown the most. For sure. Yeah. Hey man, last question is, um, like, like I can just tell just by talking to you, there's something that's coming next. You got this, you got the first book out, you got to be the one, you got principles in action. And I don't know what your master plan is, but you got something going on. It's a new presentation you're doing, a new keynote you're working up, a new book, a new idea, something, some different, so you got something in the goose, you got something cooking. What is it? You know, I, I look at, um, my life as something that I'm just trying to make an impact. I'm trying to make my impact, make my stamp in life. And, um, I have, I have nothing in the works at the moment about what's happening. That's a, that's a tough question that you asked there. Um, <laughs> I, I gotta keep my, my cards close, you know, but no, uh, I'll take it aside. No, I, I think for me is, um, you know, I have a lot of goals in life. I have, I have a lot of goals that I want to, um, really help everybody around me, uh, reach their potentials. And, um, but I also want to do that. Well, um, I am maintaining balance in my life and that that's been always a big thing for me. And so my, my real goals right now is to continue to push, um, education to push K-12 education in a direction that I want my kids to be part of it, my own personal kids. And so, um, as of right now, I am loving life as a principal. Um, I'm loving life as, as an author and I, I have thoroughly enjoyed getting out there and speaking, um, to different schools and to share my message and to help other people uh, grow and be better. Hey man, isn't it amazing as you're, as you're um, speaking and, and going to different schools and conferences, like everywhere, isn't it true? Like everywhere you, everywhere you go, there are these heroic uh, people in classrooms, like doing the most amazing things, almost anonymously like they're not on the news you know they're not yeah. on oprah ellen hasn't called yeah. them yet and and yeah. there they are day in and day out decade after decade doing their thing it, and it's incredible no I, every single time i go i'm humbled to go yep. and i and i i sat down with my superintendent and uh, i was talking to talking to him and telling him that i get to, i get so much from visiting these school sites and visiting with these different teachers and educators that I get to come back and share because they are absolutely amazing. We have so many amazing things happening in education yeah. and I'm honored and humbled to be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey man, thank you so much. Man, I, I really, really appreciate it. You got so much going on and I'm so, uh, so proud that, that of, of all that you're doing. And I too am humbled and honored that um, you'll spend a little bit of time with me. 
Absolutely. I appreciate it so much. And I couldn't pass up the time, the time with a, with another be the one hashtag. You know, funny, quick thing. Somebody messaged me the other day. They, they saw your name on something that said be the one and they, they text me like, Hey, he's doing be the one. I said, Oh yeah, I know. Uh, that's how we, we, you're going to see him on the hashtag. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I got that too. Like that dude stole thing. your thing. That guy stole, I like, I don't know. Maybe I stole his thing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe it was exactly on the same day at the same time. It's the world's thing. Exactly, brother. Thank yeah. you. So, and by the way, for anybody else that wants to get a be on one train, we we need more people out there. So, so absolutely, absolutely. there's more there's room for a lot more. Just not me and you. Yep. <laughs> All right, man. Take care. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys. This has been the Teach Like a Rockstar podcast with Hal Bowman. Subscribe, rate, and share from halbowman.com forward slash podcast.